You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode seven, and today we're talking about new books released on June 23rd, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, lady, you sound like yourself this week. Yes, I feel more like myself. You've come down from Bronchitis Mountain. Yes, yes, it's been lovely down here among the people who can breathe, (laughs) where the air isn't so thin. Lovely. Well, I'm glad to have you back. It's been hot and disgusting still in Richmond, but good weather for sitting in the air conditioning and reading books. Oh, it's lovely here. Lots of little nature-y things outside the windows, taunting the cats. (laughs) Awesome. And let's see, well, we're doing a little something different this week. Um, We're going to talk about some new books for June 23rd. And I know I'm at least going to talk about a release for June 30th, because the show we release on June 30th, June 30th is actually going to be um, not new releases for June 30th. It's going to be our favorite books of the year so far. So stay tuned for that. Yes, because we started this podcast in the middle of the year almost we're going to talk about a few of the books that came out before we started that we absolutely loved and think are noteworthy and then we'll have new releases for that day of course in the new release newsletter Mm -hmm. and then we'll pick things back up as usual in july and i guess we'll talk about new releases for a while maybe till holidays end of the year and we'll do a year in review show but just a heads up to you listeners that next week will be a little different and so this week is just a little different too with some uh june 30th releases thrown in for your tbr list you ready i'm ready i didn't i didn't manage to pick any june 30th ones because there were just so many out today that i loved that i i couldn't do it so um the Coming out, you know, this summer is the new Harper Lee and the new Fifty Shades of Grey book. And, of course, it's a given that those are going to be the huge books of the summer. But the other book that's a hit large that people may not have heard of yet is called The Book of Speculation by Erica Swyler. It is magical. It's about a young man named Simon Watson. He's a librarian who's living alone on Long Island. Uh, His father is dead. His mother is dead. She drowned. Um, And his sister has run away to join the circus and be a tarot card reader. Um, The circus life runs in his family. His mother was a carnival performer and a magician's assistant and a mermaid, mermaid in air quotes, um, because she could hold her breath for 11 minutes. And uh, then one day when Simon was seven, she walked into the ocean and drowned. Um, And so now he's living alone in this house that's practically falling off a cliff and he's trying to decide to do with with the home before it crashes into the ocean. Uh, And he receives this mysterious package on his doorstep from a Mr. Churchwari in Iowa. And it turns out to be this extremely old journal that belonged to a carnival owner. And inside it, it makes reference to Simon's grandmother, who, like several generations of the women in his family, also drowned. Uh, He reads this book looking for clues as to whether there might be a curse on the women in his family and looking for a way to save his sister, if indeed it is coming for her. Um, As I said, this novel is magical with a capital M. The storytelling is enchanting. Uh, It's a really great mystery. 
And you know how I love a book within a book. It's, mm-hmm. you know, my genre kryptonite. It came with this really cool little um, pamphlet the the advanced copy did that was like how to make a book within a book and like all these details about putting all the effort into the book inside the book. It's so great. Um, this is definitely one for the Night Circus and Church of Marvels crowd. And I would also like to point out that this book got a blurb from Catherine Dunn. She's the author of Geek Love, like Ooh. legendary Catherine Dunn. Um, that's like getting a blurb from a unicorn. Okay? <laughs> it just it just doesn't happen. So that, if that tells you anything, that is amazing. Um, there's another book called uh, Bellwether by Dennis Mahoney, which is coming out in a few weeks, which also received a blurb from Catherine Dunn. Another rare unicorn sighting, but uh, we'll talk about that one in a few more weeks. And so that was The Book of Speculation by Erica Swiler. Awesome. Should we do our first sponsor before I get to my pick? Um, sure. Sure. Let me just scroll down to my notes. <laughs> um, once again, our sponsor this week is Project Ed, and we thank them for it. Uh, Project Ed is a crowdsourcing platform for fun and hilarious educational videos. They host open video contests that empower creators of all kinds to reimagine K-12 through lessons in short videos. The contests cover topics of all kinds, such as grammar, vocabulary, and more. And the really great videos win cash prizes big cash prizes. Big ones. They are used by teachers and students across the country. And right now, because it is warm and it is summer, it is time for Project Ed's Summer Reading Challenge. Think you can reimagine a classic novel in a short video that showcases your style and skill? Project Ed is calling on creators from all over in a new series of contests to create short videos that inspire students to read. So in its first ever reading challenge, Project Ed is offering over $20,000 in cash prizes to creators who can create fun and unforgettable videos on popular books across genres like adventure, sci-fi, monsters, mysteries, even young adult fiction. Uh, Participants have their choice of creating book trailers, reenactments, or dramatic readings on well-known titles. So basically, you can do anything. It's it's really up to you. Um, It just has to be fun and educational. The contest is now open and runs through July. Anyone over the age of 13 in the U.S. or Canada can submit, and you can get all the details and enter at www.projected.com slash summer reading. And if you win, please drop us a line and let us know, and we'll do Muppet Arms all over the place for you. Yeah, 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 we will. I have a new idea for people you do. this week. I was thinking you could do a wedding planning show hosted by Miss Havisham. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Every time I hear that MacArthur Park song, like, your cake out in the rain, I always think of Miss Havisham. It's probably for a reason, but I'm not smart enough to know that. (laughs) It's probably like, that's because that's what he's talking about. I don't know. I don't listen to that song very often. Don't judge me. (laughs) I won't. You're in a safe place here. There's just so many good places you could go with classic lit and with contemporary YA and with all sorts of stuff for making videos. And we know that our listeners are among the awesomest and most creative. So I'm hoping someone will participate and will let us know. All right. So you talked about circus stuff in your first selection. And I have a little overlap of that in my first selection. Um, My first pick this week is Music for Wartime, a new short story collection by Rebecca Mackay. You might recognize her from her previous novels that were published, including The Borrower, which I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people loved. This is her first collection of short stories. She worked on them for 13 years. Many of them were published in different uh, literary publications along the way, but they've really come together to make an interesting, cohesive, thematic group of work. These stories are about music, they're about art. Many of them are set during World War II, and some of them blur the lines 
seemingly between fiction and reality as characters share Mackay's last name. Uh, there is a story in which circus performers stay in a small town and put down roots and take on normal jobs there after an elephant dies and they like stay along um, to you know, bury the elephant. And then there's a flood of biblical proportions. Uh, there's a story in which a woman finds a very tiny version of Johann Sebastian Bach living inside her piano and she lets him <laughs> out and he grows to be life-size Bach and like Whoa. hangs out in her apartment in the city with her. And she eventually takes him as a lover. Uh, <laughs> it's the, j- I lo- your own. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Grow your own Bach. There's another T-shirt for the All the Books clothing line that's coming. Um, There are like slightly surreal elements in many of these stories. um, And there's subtle humor and just really lovely sentences. Um, This was my first time reading Mackay. And I'm very sorry now that I have not read her novels yet. I'm going to correct that post haste. Um, Music for Wartime was just, I think, one of the best reading experiences that I've had this year. It's going to be right up there at the end of the year on my list of favorites. I love a short story collection. I love it when authors take risks, when they blur the lines between fiction and real life a little bit, a little bit, or when they prompt us to, to just wonder about that, and when they're not afraid to be a little bit strange. And Mackay just does all of that really beautifully. So that is Music for Wartime. I've never read one of her books either, I am ashamed to say. I do own them all. <laughs> Speaking of another one of our teachers. Have you just not read them yet? I just haven't. It's hard. There's so many. Don't judge me. <laughs> That's going to be my new slogan. Um, so I'm excited to tell you about my next pick. It is called A Planet for Rent by Yoss. Um, this book arrived at my house. I wasn't expecting it. It was a surprise. And I chose to read it solely based on the author photo. Oh. Uh, the guy in the photo has this amazing 80s metal band hair. And he was wearing these spiky bracelets and a bandana around his head, and I was really intrigued. And so I Googled him, and there was this picture of him in camouflage parachute pants and a Punisher t-shirt. And I was like, if this book is half as cool as the author, it is going to be fantastic. They could have made one copy of that book and sent it directly to you. Like, that's, that's, it's perfect. Yeah, it was made for me. Uh, It also turns out that he is the lead singer of a heavy metal band, but... um, this book is indeed fantastic. His name is Yoss. It's one name, like Madonna or Prince. How do you spell cool. it? Y-O-S-S. Okay. Yeah, he is that cool. Like, he doesn't need a last name. Um, or maybe he doesn't need a first name. Uh, <laughs> he, he is uh, widely considered to be the most important science fiction writer in Cuba. Uh, and there is no mistaking why. Um, in A Planet for Rent, the inhabitants of other planets have been watching Earth for thousands of years. And they decide that humans are horrible, which we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that we are doing a terrible job with our planet which we are. So the great minds of the galaxies decide to intercede and they send ships down to Earth to help us. But of course, humans being humans, we perceive the new visitors as a threat and try to attack them, which the aliens quickly shut down and kill a good portion of the planet's inhabitants. Um, And they decide to turn Earth into a tourist destination. So now Earth is like this tourist planet for other aliens, like aliens visit and and check it out. and the book starts, it's like 100 years later, and humans are at the bottom of the galaxy's important creatures list. Like, you can't get any lower than a human. Um, fossil fuels and nuclear power have been banned on Earth, and things are returning to a greener, albeit harder way of life. Uh, many of the residents are forced to turn to prostitution, and not just prostitution with humans, it's kind of alarming. Um, or they rent their bodies out as body spares, which is when aliens can remotely take over a human's body and go adventuring without leaving the comfort of... Um, well, 
whatever it is that aliens sit on. <laughs> I'm making a really shocked face right now that I wish you could see. Um, the other jobs available to humans are drug dealers, uh, black marketeers, and artists. Uh, being an artist is held in really high regard among other alien species, which it should be more here. But uh, aliens really dig artists. So um, this book is completely wacky, as it sounds. And highly original. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It tells some really ugly truths about humanity in a really grim and humorous way. Um, I took some notes on my phone and it changed humorous <laughs> to hummus. So I almost just said in the grim and hummus way. But no, uh, no chickpeas were harmed in the making of this book. Um, Maybe the chickpeas yeah. are the only thing that weren't harmed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty bleak, but awesome. And it's really funny. Um, and that is called A Planet for Rent by Yoss. Man, that's such a delight when you get a random thing in the mail that you've never heard of and you didn't yeah. know was coming out, and it's just exactly the thing that you want to read that day. That's yeah, one of I'm my. Totally, oh, I was going to say, I'm totally making metal fingers at you right now. <laughs> yes. That's just one of my favorite <laughs> things about the jobs that we get to do is the little delights from the book fairy that happen every now and then. Mm -hmm. uh, so my next pick, I'm on a short stories kick this week, apparently, which is that I read a lot of short stories. So we're probably going to talk about a lot of them on this show. Um, Stone Mattress by Margaret Atwood is out in paperback this week. I think a new book by Margaret Atwood is always cause for like a parade and the throwing of confetti and a big balloon drop. And it felt to me last year like there just wasn't enough celebration. I know. This one slipped by. So it's out in paperback now. Your book club can read it. You can sit next to the pool with it. It's not very heavy. Please read this book. It's wonderful. Um, it's typical Margaret Atwood. If there is such a thing as typical Margaret Atwood, there are real life situations and a real world that is occasionally just a few ticks off from our world. Um, but she uses all of that to talk about humanity and our relationships and what we're doing in this life. And it's just, I mean, she's Margaret Atwood. Come on, people. Um, there is a story in which a fantasy writer hears her, the voice of her dead husband, like guiding her through a weekend. There's a story about a woman who has a genetic abnormality that causes her appearance to be different than the rest of the people around her. And she's often mistaken for a vampire. And it's about that her life as a person that people think is actually a vampire. Uh, I completely identify with that one. <laughs> the, uh, well, that's what happens when you never leave the book cave. <laughs> uh, the title story, Stone Mattress, is about a woman who finds herself on a cruise in the Arctic with a man who was cruel to her when they were young, but decades later, like she's retirement age, and she's on this pleasure cruise, and all of a sudden this man is hitting on her, and she realizes who he is and what he did to her um, many decades before in their life, and she gets her revenge, and it is cold-hearted and wonderful. That's um, the best one. Margaret Atwood's brand of feminism in fiction, I think, is so interesting and unapologetic. And she just looks right at, I think, as you were saying uh, about your previous pick, some of the uglier parts of humanity and explores them in a way that I find to just be completely compelling and convincing and um I can't say enough good things about Stone Mattress. Since everyone did not read it last year, I need to insist that everyone read it this year. Yes, absolutely. Go and read it right now. We'll wait here. <laughs> we'll be back next week, but you've got time. <laughs> uh, the next book I'm going to talk about is called Blackout, Remembering the Things I Drank to Forget by Sarah Heppola. Uh, this one's getting a lot of buzz. You might have already heard about it. Um, it's a really sharp memoir about what it is like to be a binge drinker in the golden age of Sex in the City, Bridget Jones, uh, Chelsea Handler, her, in her book, you know, Are You There, Vodka, mm. It's Me, Chelsea. Um, when women drinkers are celebrated, 
and having a few cocktails with lunch or after work was expected and encouraged. Uh, she talks about how she first suspected that she had a drinking problem back in college when she was about 20, and she describes going to a clinic after a particularly scary blackout, and she picks up this flyer, and she's reading it, and it starts off with, like, do, you know, asking, do you have a drinking problem? And she's thinking, you know, come on, it's college. Everyone here has a drinking problem. And asks these other questions that she's like, yeah, but it's college, and, you know, is really serious, and, and she doesn't take it very seriously. And later on, she describes how she would write these published pieces about her drinking adventures. She would write both fiction and nonfiction, uh, and even her own mother didn't really take her that seriously. Um, her mother... There's this part where her mother tells her that she thinks that she exaggerates a lot. Um, she says, I don't think you drank six beers in a night. Women can't drink that much. Oh. You know, and Hepola thinks, well, she's right on one count. I actually drank eight. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and she's just had a lot of instances where she would wake up after a blackout and a friend would take her aside and say, do you remember what you did last night? You know, and, and she would have to like fake her way through it being like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm so sorry but not really knowing what she was apologizing for, but not wanting to admit that she didn't remember because that would you know, indicate that she might have a problem. And uh, Blackout goes on to follow her as she describes her lowest moments. Usually they are the moments that follow the ones that she can't remember. Um, like, or when she wakes up in the middle of something she doesn't understand, for instance, you know, finding herself in bed with a strange man and not knowing how she got there. Um, it's really an eye-opening look at addiction and women and drinking in society and uh, what it's like to own up to your actions, even if you can't remember what they are, um, and letting go of something that seemingly brought you joy, even if you don't remember it. Wow. Uh, yeah, she, it's, it's fantastic. She tells her serious story, but it's got a lot of laugh out loud humor. She's a fantastic writer. Um, and I think we are all better for reading this. Did you read and that? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh I was just gonna repeat the title. Well, do it. Blackout, Blackout by Sarah Heppola. Did you read How to Grow Up by Michelle T? Oh, not yet, but okay. I do love her fiction. Yeah, she did some of the same things that you're talking about there, too. The memoir is about a lot of stuff, but a big chunk of it is about uh, coming to terms with her addictions and then going into recovery and you know facing down you know, the bad decisions and the consequences of her actions from the time that she spent drinking too much and doing drugs. Um, and it also in a really candid, honest sad but touching and inspiring and funny way too it's so hard to do that well i'm glad that um that there are women who are finally getting to tell these stories and to tell them very well are you ready for our next sponsor i am this week uh we are also sponsored by the novice by taryn matharu there's a really interesting story behind this book so let me tell you about the book first and then i'll tell you the story uh the book is about a character named fletcher he can summon demons but can he win a war fletcher works as a blacksmith's apprentice when he discovers that he has the rare ability to summon demons from another world he's chased from his village for a crime that he didn't commit and when that happens he must travel with his personal demon ignatius which like hands down best name for a demon ever to an academy for adepts where he and other gifted people are taught the art of summoning along with nobles and commoners fletcher endures grueling lessons that prepare him to serve as a battle mage in the empire's war against the savage orcs but sinister forces infect his new friendships and rivalries pop up and with no one but his trusty demon ignatius by his side fletcher has to decide where his loyalties lie the fate of the entire empire is in his hands uh, so this is again called the novice it's by Taryn Matharu. It's the first in a trilogy called the Summoner Trilogy. And Taryn Matharu wrote his first book when he was just 20, or, sorry, when he was just nine years old. 
And now at 22, he began posting sections of the novice on Wattpad, which uh, is an online writing community and website. It reached over 3 million reads there in less than six months. Um, And so then Fywell and Friends picked it up and is publishing it widely. It's now had more than 6.2 million reads on Wattpad since the fall of 2014. Holy cow. Yeah, that is a lot of reads. A lot of it. Uh, And the story wasn't finished on Wattpad. Taran Matharu has finished the story. And so now the Summoner, sorry, the Novice, which is the first book in the Summoner trilogy, is coming out and is the first full edition of this story. So if you were in those 6.2 million people who first encountered the Novice on Wattpad, you'll get to read the end of the story for the first time in the book. Uh, And if you are just now hearing about the Novice, then you can discover the story that was born online in like the one of the coolest, most, you know, new wave, new technology ways of books being made and published. Um, and you can read it now, thanks to Fywell and Friends for picking it up. So that is The Novice by Taryn Matharu. You can get it wherever books are sold, or we'll have a link in the show notes as well. Thanks to them for sponsoring this week. All right, so my turn again. Your turn. All right, this is one that I haven't read yet, but I'm really intrigued by. It's called The Little Town Where Time Stood Still by Bohumil Rabal. That's H-R-A-B-A-L, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Milan Kundera called him Czechoslovakia's greatest writer, um, and I think it just goes to show you what a bad job we in American publishing tend to do discovering and talking about uh, foreign writers, foreign being non-American writers, um, whose work appears in translation that this was the first that I've heard of him. Uh, New York Review Books is putting out uh, this one. It's two linked narratives that tell a story together. The first narrative takes place in a small country town pre-World War II about the scandalizing escapades of a man and his wife who run the local brewery, and she's a Madame Bovary type, unapologetically so. The other narrative is told from the point of view of their son and one of his uncles, who fights occupying Nazis during the war, but then succumbs to silence as post-war communist order takes over in their town. And that all sounds very serious and heavy. Uh, But the book is being widely described as also funny and insightful. I'm trying to read more diversely in many definitions of diversely this year. Um, I'm doing better in some ways than in others, but I'm definitely failing to read a lot of um, non-American and non just, you know, British writers. So I'm going to be picking up The Little Town Where Time Stood Still uh, to continue that mission and hopefully discover an amazing writer. Czechoslovakia's greatest. That's awesome. I love New York Review books. Classics. They really do such good them. work. Please line my coffin with them when I die. <laughs> I love their stuff. Oh my goodness. They they publish so many amazing things. Like Stoner. Stoner, mm-hmm. I think they have the 50th anniversary edition coming out. Yeah, so for good. like for discovering books that have existed for a long time that you probably aren't going to hear about anywhere else, you would be hard pressed to do better than NYRB. Yes. Now for my last pick, this is a really great summer read. It's called The Cartel by Don Winslow. You might recognize his name. He's been around for a while now. He writes these like thrilling adventures about drug runners and law enforcement. Um, did he do it's, the Savages? I was going to say Savages. Okay. It's probably his most well-known, and then it was made into a movie um, by Oliver Stone. Um, the Cartel is another one of his fast-paced rides. It's about DEA agents fighting the drug war in Mexico. 
Uh, Art Keller is a DEA agent who has been fighting the drug cartel for 30 years. And he was focused on catching this one guy, Barrera, who is the head of the world's most powerful cartel and is also responsible for the murder of Art's partner and best friend. Oh, and he finally, he catches him, but it's at a huge cost. It costs him way more than he anticipated. Um, and of course, slippery guys like Barrera don't stay locked up for long and he gets out. And now Art has redoubled his efforts to catch him again. Um, it's a really great thriller. It's just a, a, a gritty look at the ins and outs of politics and the drug trade and the people who try to stop it. And the book opens, this was like really amazing. It opens with a list of names of all the journalists who were murdered or disappeared in Mexico during the years that the novel takes place. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just this like really sobering way to launch into a story. Hmm. Because it reminds you, you know, the details are already amazing, but it reminds you that it's, it really drives home the point that this kind of thing happens and is still happening, you know, and it makes it that much more realistic. Um, so if you're looking for a big, hard-hitting, action-packed summer read, um, and it is big, it's, it's uh, 640 pages, Ooh. so it's not small, um, this is the perfect book. And uh, Don Winslow is one cool cat. I got to meet him at BEA this year, and he was really rad. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. My next one, my final pick of the week also, is perfect for summer, and it takes place in the summer. It's called Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older. This is one of my favorite books of the year, and if you listen to other Book Riot podcasts or you read like the Inbox Outbox column that I write on the site, you have probably heard me talk about it several times before already, and I am just not sorry. So sit down for another pitch. Uh, this is about a teenage girl named Sierra Santiago who lives in Brooklyn. She is an artist, and summer is off to like a pretty normal start. She's going to the first party of the season, except that a dead guy crashes the party. He's a corpse demon kind of thing uh, that is called an ink, or however you pronounce NGK together uh, in the world that Older creates. He chases her, and that's just the very beginning. Uh, there's weird stuff going on with her grandfather, who's been suffering and ill for a long time, but just keeps apologizing to her. She notices that a mural that um, has been painted by one of her friends is weeping real tears, and eventually Sierra comes to discover that she is a shadow shaper. She comes from a long line of people who have the power to imbue works of art, be they paintings or drawings or songs, poems, uh, any kind of work of art with an ancestral spirit. Someone evil does not like what the shadow shapers are doing, what they're able to do and what they're all about and is systematically killing them off over the course of this summer, but it looks like they are primarily after Sierra, that she's at the center of something bigger than she really understands. Uh, this book is just so great. Uh, Older imagines himself into the life and mind of a teenage girl really phenomenally. This Brooklyn is diverse. It's filled with music. It's filled with people of color, which if you're reading books that are set in Brooklyn and they don't have any people of color in them, those books are a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just for real. Uh, his writing has this great rhythm and swagger. And if you've read um, his adult fiction. The first uh, book in his Bone Street Rumba series is called Half Resurrection Blues. You'll see some of the same characters. He's really creating this alternate Brooklyn universe where his story
stories slightly overlap with each other. So that was really fun as well to see some characters that I had loved from his previous book show up in this one, but in a really subtle way. Um, if you haven't read Half Resurrection Blues, you won't be missing anything in Shadow Shaper. You just won't know that these these people have other stories that could add to it. Definitely read all of them. Uh, it's su- awesome. it's surprising. It's scary. Uh, I just had a really great time reading Shadow Shaper, and I'm going to be continuing to recommend it widely for a long time. I thought it, it was one of the best young adult novels that I've read this year. When I was Googling pictures of Yoss, the heavy metal author, uh, there was a picture of him with DJ Older, and I was like, he has to be cool. <laughs> like, he's hanging out with DJ Older. Like, perfect. This guy is cool. <laughs> so what are you going to read now? I'm going to read As If by Jen Chaney. It's an oral history of the movie Clueless as told to her by oh, right, right. yeah yeah by um, Amy Heckerling who wrote the movie and the cast and crew. It's hot pink with yellow on the cover and it, this is like the most in my wheelhouse pop culture oral history a book I think has ever been. I'm really excited. What about you? Well, I was going to read The Sage of Waterloo by Leona Frankham because it's supposedly this uh, it's the Battle of Waterloo, but it's told through the eyes of a rabbit. <laughs> and like that really appeals to the Richard Adams fan in me. Okay. But then this morning on Slack, one of our coworkers was talking about how she just read the Tokyo Zodiac Murders by Soji Shimada. Mm-hmm. And she, she went around her house and made sure all her windows and doors were locked and had the lights on and was like terrified out of her mind. And that kind of appeals to me too. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm participating in a 48-hour readathon this weekend. So I have plenty of time to read both of these. But... Yeah, that's what's next up. Awesome. Well, thanks again to our sponsors for sponsoring the show this week and enabling us to be here and keep having fun together talking about books. That's Project Ed. You can check them out and enter your own awesome videos. Feel free to take my Miss Havisham wedding reality show idea, uh, projected.com slash summer reading. And also to The Novice by Taryn Matharu. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, or you can search for it wherever books are sold. If you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I am at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Miss Liberty is at Miss Liberty. Uh, And if you like the show, if you want to help other people discover it, please take a moment to rate or review it on iTunes. We are so, so grateful for the ratings and reviews that we've gotten so far and really appreciate that y'all are hanging out with us here this week. Yes. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today and more books that we have read and books that we think you should write, Uh, We cannot tell you about all the titles. We are out of time. But we will drop more titles into the show notes. And we will link as well to our weekly New Books newsletter, which talks about more new releases. And as we said before, stay tuned next week for a best of. And if you need the show notes, you can find them at bookriot.com slash all the books. That's our show. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.